Hello, my name's Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to the 100th episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week. Coming up today, Tom will see why there's a paint issue on Boeing aircraft now, and I'll investigate why Boeing 747s are headed to Japan with potatoes on board. I'll fill you in on a deadly record for Berlin's new terminal building, and Joe will tell us about an aviation record set by Highfly. Finally, Tom will see when Ethiopia and Indonesia plan to start flying the Boeing 737 MAX again. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And I wanted to talk about um, the Boeing 787 this week, if that's okay. Yes, <laughs> I mean, be, it my is okay. Um, <laughs> be my guest. Be my guest. Well, Air New Zealand has become the latest airline to reveal that it's having issues with paint peeling off of composite surfaces. And this was kind of like a huge, huge uh, thing during the whole of 2021 in the end, especially with Qatar and its A350s. But um Basically, what I should start by saying is that the issue that I'm about to talk about is apparently completely unrelated to what's being experienced on the A350s. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically what's happening is that paint is beginning to flake on the wings of some of Air New Zealand's 787 aircraft. And, um, you know, like I've spoken to people and I understand that the peeling paint is a known issue in the fleet and it's basically prompted by UV light from the sun affecting a coating in the paint. So Boeing's working on a new UV blocking coating that will solve the issue on a long-term basis. But in the meantime, a short uh, short-term touch-up fix has been made available. And, um, you know, like Boeing assured me that it doesn't affect the structural integrity of the wing or the safety of flight. It's literally a cosmetic issue, mm-hmm. um, which is the whole thing that Al Baker is trying to say is not the case over with his A350s. <laughs> um, oh, dear. But, um, yeah, totally separate um, issue between the two. Uh, but it was quite interesting because um, Air New Zealand now has 14 Boeing 787-9s, and I was kind of digging into it, and it turns out that the airline actually owns the first uh, 787-9s to fly. So the test aircraft ended up becoming um, part of the fleet once Boeing had finished testing them. Um, I see. But, I mean, it just kind of wraps up. 2021 quite um nicely or not nicely depending on how you look at it because 2021 really was the the year of paint issues on composite (laughs) aircraft yeah it's something that um you know it's really only come to a head just recently Mm. but it seems like it's going to be a headache going forward Mm. um and something both plane manufacturers need to solve Mm. But I mean, yeah, I guess the key issue here is like Boeing's aware of it and they're working to fix it and they've got like a short term fix. And, you know, this is it's like paint coming off of your car. You know, it doesn't stop you driving your car, but it's mm. maybe something that you wouldn't want to leave um, unchecked for a very long time. No, exactly. Um, well, I hope they manage to get it sorted. And I'm mm. sure there's going to be a, a paint company out there that makes a lot of money when it comes up with a good solution for this problem. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to stick with Boeing, um, but kind of lighten the mood a little bit, um, because there was a bit of a crisis over Christmas in Japan, mm. um, in Japanese yeah, McDonald's specifically. <laughs> so they ran out of potatoes to make their French fries. Um, and this was, it was interesting because I think the 
before Christmas, we were talking about Korean Air's Boeing 747s mm. delivering PlayStation 5s to the UK to save Christmas. Um, but now um, the Queen has come to the rescue again um, because the uh, the Japanese McDonald's announced they would be suspending sales of large and medium servings of French fries across the country um, because normally Is they bring their potatoes. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think for some people that are a bit Mackie D's um, d- dedicated, shall we say, <laughs> it mm. could be a disaster. Um, so they normally bring their potatoes in via a ship from Vancouver, um, but there's been flood damage and global supply chains are a mess and the ports are all backed up. So there's been delays and it caused an, an issue with the supply of fries. Um, and as news of the shortage broke, there was a bit of a scramble for people to get their Mackie D's fix. Um, and that only made the problem worse, of course. Mm. So a company called Flexport, which is a US-based freight forwarder, stepped in to help. Um, and Ryan Peterson, who's the chief executive over there, said via Twitter that the company had been contracted to fly three plane loads of potatoes to Japan to alleviate the French fries shortage. Um, but how many potatoes can a 747 fly? Well, one person who's even more geeky than you, Tom, did the maths um, and decided that a Boeing 747 freighter can fly about 11, uh, 100 and, sorry, let me try that again, 112,000 kilograms of freight. Um, and a single serve of McDonald's French fries weighs in at about 154 grams. So per 747, that's about 2.2 million large servings of French fries per plane. Mm. Um, now that does sound like a lot, but in fact, in Japan, there are almost 3,000 McDonald's outlets um, and Japanese McDonald's consumers um, get through about 375,000 kilograms of French fries every day. So with those sorts of numbers involved, we might see Flexport doing some more flying before the situation is resolved. Um, And although I'm saying Flexport is flying, it's important to point out that Flexport doesn't actually have its own planes. Um, So instead, it books space on aircraft that are operated by the likes of Atlas Air, Plus Logistics and Western Global, etc. So the Queen to the rescue again, I think, is the moral of that story. (laughs) Well, I wanted to kind of take it back to Europe. And I came across this um, very bizarre story um, about airports. Um, And it's actually, it's a couple of months old now, so it's from November. But, um, you know, Berlin's Brandenburg Airport in November had been open for a year. And it turns out that the airport has been doing a daily search for dead birds around the terminal. (laughs) Um, Strange. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds strange. And um, Basically, you know, birds fly into glass and um, when they do this, they injure themselves because they're quite fragile and uh, they're going at a bit of speed. They can have concussions and um, internal injuries and um, that can lead to death. And, you know, like obviously no one wants a bird to die for sort of no reason. Um <laughs> It's just I thought, I I'm honestly int- not that bothered. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I don't know, you, you know, know golden eagles and they're like fine, but um, yeah, starlings they get right on my nerves. They're always pooping on my car. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like bird strikes. If you think about bird strike, you're thinking of a mid-air collision between a bird minding its own business and a jet travelling at hundreds of miles per hour. But it actually, mm. um, here it's uh, birds flying into the stationary terminal. But basically. <laughs> Um, in the first year of Terminal 1's operations, they counted 50 dead birds around the terminal, so around one a week. Um, wow. And, you know, the number could be slightly higher because some may have flown away and then succumbed to their injuries um, slightly away from the terminal. But it actually seems that um, the terminal is doing pretty well compared to others. So the Mines Football Arena in Stuttgart had 
around a thousand dead birds in the space of a year, and the Bavarian State Office for the Environment found around 200 birds um, in a similar study. So 50 is quite low. Um, and, you know, Berlin Brandenburg reckons that several factors contribute to its lower bird strike count. Um, so there's not really green areas behind the glass and the positioning of the terminal is kind of co uh, coordinated with the birds migration. And obviously, you know, the airport environment isn't great for birds anyway. Um, so, you know, despite this, they're still looking to do their bit to cut terminal bird strikes even more. So they're looking at placing foils on freestanding glass walls, which are apparently hotspots um, for collisions. But, you know, I just found it such a bizarre story that somebody's actually going out of their way to count dead birds at an airport. So I couldn't not mention it. <laughs> Oh dear. Well, you know what my solution would be is get more cats because then they can pick up the dead birds and eat them mm. um, before anybody has to go out and count them and then nobody will ever know how many birds have died because of the airport. <laughs> well, what I found interesting was that um, I found uh, our colleague Mark had written that uh, Schiphol Airport is trialling the use of pigs to deter birds. So, <laughs> I saw um, that. Maybe yeah, you're not pigs so far didn't... off with your cats. Pigs and something else, wasn't it? Pigs and sheep or something? I forget. Mm. But yeah, apparently they don't get along. So <laughs> mm. yeah, lots of cats. I think that's always the solution to pretty much everything in life. Mm. Um, and, and a few dogs in the lives, mix as so well. So if they get hit by a plane. <laughs> yeah, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about a, a flying record, um, which was achieved by our favourite wet lease provider, High Fly, down in Portugal. Um, so it wasn't that long ago we were talking about High Fly and its groundbreaking arrival in Antarctica with the A340. Well, it's now flown a record time between the Portuguese destinations of Madeira and Lisbon. Um, now, this might not sound awfully exciting, um, and it actually, it's a bit bizarre um, because it wasn't a very fast flight, but taking into account all the conditions involved, it was quite an achievement. So let's go through it. So the distance that is covered is 565 nautical miles, just over a 1,000 mm. kilometres. Um, and it was flown in just 70 minutes by Commander Carlos Mipuri, who was also the guy that landed the A340 in Antarctica. Um, but it wasn't an easy task. So because of conditions, they were forced to use runway 23 in Madeira and runway 21 in Lisbon. And apparently this is the worst combination possible for a fast flight. Um, but against all odds and with support from air traffic control, they managed to cover the nautical mile, the 565 nautical miles in a record time of 70 minutes. That's just wheels up time, so it doesn't include the mm. kind of taxi and takeoff role. Um, and that now becomes an official figure because they had FAI judges on board who were actually authenticating the record. Um, so it's not the fastest that Mirpuri has actually flown the route, which is bizarre because he reckons that he achieved 54 minutes on the same route with an A320 um, mm. and 59 minutes with the A330 another time. However, because the FAI guys weren't on board and the actions weren't planned, um, it wasn't included as a record. It wasn't kind of um, authenticated, if you like. So was, was there a reason for flying this uh, route other than setting the speed record, or did they just say decide we want to 
um, set I think a speed it was record, just a scheduled so... service. No, I think okay. it was a service that they were doing anyway. It was, um, I, I don't think it was completely self-indulgent. Maybe it hmm. was, maybe it was his Christmas present to himself, but uh, I know it had a proper flight number and everything. So I think hmm. maybe it was, uh, I don't think, I, I think it had passengers on board and I think it had to have passengers on board to um, to count as the record. So hmm. anyway, um, nonetheless, you know, the 70 minutes of wheels up time with that particular runway combination is excellent. And apparently because of the runway combination, um, it normally takes 75 to 80 minutes and 85 to 90 minutes for um, the specific configuration that they were going on. Um, so, And he also holds another record, Mr. Mipuri, um, which okay. is for carrying the maximum number of passengers out of Funchal to the capital of Portugal. Um, apparently he transported 410 people on an A330-300. So good on him and uh, Guinness Book of World Records for, for that guy. <laughs> mm. Let's see who can um, do the fastest flight between Frankfurt and Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> Or London and Manchester. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or <laughs> anywhere <and> else. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know. It doesn't blow me away um, that one. But <laughs> I thought it was interesting about the. He he must have been spitting nails when he got the runway combination for the day, though. Particularly mm. if he knew he could do it in like fifty nine minutes, and it ended up taking seventy because uh, mm. somebody's going to beat that very soon. <laughs> mm. Well, I wanted to kind of wrap up with some good news for the Max um, because, you know, last month, late last month, Ethiopian Airlines revealed that it's planning to bring the Max into service. And I think this is basically the biggest vote of confidence that the Max can get from anyone because Ethiopian was sadly involved in the second fatal Max crash. And they were very clear that they would be one of the last to bring the plane back. And, you know, with that history with the airplane, they're not going to bring it back unless they're 300% certain that everything is tickety-boo on it. Um, so, you know, I found that quite interesting. They said they're going to, uh, it's less than a month until they're going to bring the plane back to the skies. So the first flight is going to be on February 1st, 2022. Um, and Tivolde, who's the CEO over there, said, um, you know, they've gone through all of the modifications and the following the certification process and all this, and they're now happy to be uh, one of the last airlines to uh, return the 737 MAX. So, you know, it, it's it's obviously sad that they were part of the reason that it was grounded in the first place because no one ever wants a plane to crash. Um, but, you know, it's kind of a happy thing to see that they've regained their confidence in it. Um, and, you know, they're not the only people that have regained confidence in the plane because Indonesia, who was... Um, the country where the other fatal Max crash happened have also now said that they're lifting the grounding on the Max. None of the carriers, uh, Lion Air or Garuda Indonesia, have yet said we're bringing it back, but the plane theoretically now can fly in Indonesia. So um, Indonesia has broadly accepted the requirements that the FAA brought in for the recertification of the MAX. However, they've said uh, they're not adopting the stick shaker removal procedure. Mm. Um, and it's quite interesting because they, to sort of recertify the MAX, they were kind of just following along with the processes that Singapore, or not Singapore Airlines, Singapore's uh, Civil Aviation Authority was doing with Boeing in their simulators. Um, so, you know, they haven't, they they were, I, my understanding is that they were following the proceedings via a video call because of COVID. Um, 
restrictions. Um, so, you know, watch this space. Um, maybe I, I would assume that Lion Air will bring the plane back if they're uh, depending on their schedules uh, with mm. COVID because they've already got quite a big fleet and they're expecting a lot more. But um, I think I read somewhere that Garuda maybe won't. Uh, rush to bring it back because they've only got one at the moment and I've, oh. my understanding is that they're not looking to uh, massively increase their fleet in the um, immediate future no right that makes a lot of sense well mm. we'll have to wait and see um, what yep, comes back as we and like when, to say but... on this podcast watch this space <laughs> absolutely good news for the 737 max though mm. Well, I think that's about all we've got time for today. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating on your favourite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.